0: listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. When were the disciples first born again? And if you look back in John twenty twenty two, it says something that, this song just confirmed me for this this morning. It says that Jesus breathed on his apostles, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And you look back in, in Genesis two seven. What, what happened in Genesis two seven was that God breathed into Adam, and he came alive. And we're talking about just God will just breathe on you. He pours Spirit on into you. So it's amazing to me when I, when the Holy Spirit brings me something, that. I come up here and, and this is what they're singing. The Holy Spirit will, will work in that way in your life. Jeannie Haas used to say, I'd say, man, I had this coincidence thing. And she'd say, oh, Mark, it's a God thing. And I, and I finally realized it's just not coincidence. Coincidences happen when you're at work with other people. Spiritual things, things of God, they happen because you're expecting things to happen. God puts the desires uh, of him, I believe, in your heart, in my heart. And when we're open and we're we're ready to receive from him in any area of our life, he pours in. He says, there is an open vessel. There is someone who is willing to do something for me. Ta-da, right? And you know what the thing is? It's for all seven billion people on earth. He wants to breathe into all seven billion people. It was the person of the Holy Spirit that convicted of us of our need for a savior. And he's he was just waiting to blow. He had taken the deep breath and he's waiting to, waiting to exhale and to blow. Just think about that. Think of a family member that you think is maybe too far gone, that they've stepped over the edge. Like, and I know and maybe some of you have this out there. God can't use, use, yes he can. God's just waiting to, into that person's life. And the thing is, with many of our friends or relatives, God's already breathed into their life. We just want him to fill fill them up some more. What I want to talk about today is the word peace. P-E-A-C-E, peace. Used 429 times in the King James Version in 400 different scriptures. It's a huge word, peace. I have 400 times, it's actually 429 times in 400 different scriptures. In the New Testament, it's, it's used 26 out of 27 books. And in the Old, Old Testament, 33 out of 39. So it's used quite a bit, the word peace. You can look it up and you can read it and you go to your, your blue letter Bible and type in peace and you can go through every single one of those scriptures and it means a whole bunch of different things in different situations. But in the New Testament it's the prince of peace. He's coming, or he's came, and we, we see that in, in, in different scriptures, and I'll talk about a few. I know there's one we talk about, the prince, mighty, wonderful, mighty God, counselor, prince of peace. I, I know Jeff did a whole sermon series on that, on that scripture. But the word peace, to me, uh, is all summed up in, in Galatians 5.22, where it says that the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. It's a fruit, it's what you possess when you are filled with the Holy Spirit at salvation. I love that. It says, when, it says I have peace. Galatians 5.16 says, when I walk by the Spirit, I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What it's saying to me is when I, when I walk by the Spirit, my mind isn't going isn't to take over. The Spirit will flow through me. How is that? Because I have peace on the inside. I remember one time... Uh, Actually, the other verse I want to read was in, in Romans 5:1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And that's why Jesus came, so that he would reconcile us back to the Father, so that we would have peace once again. Remember the person of Adam? When he, when he failed him and, and Eve, and, G, and God came and was looking for him in the garden, because he wanted to talk and hang out with them. He had a relationship with them. And because of their sin there, they were separated. And it was Jesus who came, and and most of you know this, but sometimes we need a reminder, it was Jesus who came so that we had have peace with God again. We have the opportunity to have peace with God. So as a believer, you have peace with God. He's not mad at you anymore. He's not mad at you anymore. And so as a new believer one time in a Bible study, and and. Pastor Jim was a leader of my Bible study when I was a new Christian, and he might remember this, he might not, but the Holy Spirit gave remembrance to me that we, I was there one time, and was there any prayer requests, and I said, I would like you guys to pray for me to have peace. And I remember Dave Sorensen saying, well, Mark, we don't have to pray for that for you anymore. And I was like, what are you talking about? I have no peace right now. <laughs> and he's like, but you do. As a born-again believer, you have peace on the inside of you. And see, the thing is, when I, as a Christian, before I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I was just, at times, hoping and wishing that something would just go good. You know? And sometimes, as Christians, maybe we get down to that part. It's like, I just hope this goes better. I wish things would turn around. And it's the person of the Holy Spirit that, that, was, that I needed to allow to work in my life. I needed to hope and go from hoping and wishing to believe in what God's word says about me, first of all, what I possess, and then what I can go out and do. So when you think about it, you do not have to pray for peace in your life. You don't have to pray for love or joy or kindness. You possess all those. What you need to say to Father God is I need a revelation of this in my life and pour it out. And he's going to say to you, oh, thank you, Mr. and Mrs. Open Vessel. I'm going to blow on that. He'll give you what you need. I'm looking at the Godfrey's over there. Their daughter's going off to college. She's probably thinking, oh, sure, Mark, you know all about peace, don't you? (laughs) You're at peace, Barb. Your awesome daughter's going off to spread the gospel around the world. She's spreading peace. Be at peace. It's in you. I know it is. Campbell's, your daughter's going a little further away than Cedar Falls. Do you know that Elizabeth is going on the second longest nonstop flight? We were at her house for a party, and it's so great When you Google stuff, what is the longest nonstop flight? (laughs) From San Francisco to Sydney, 15 hours on a plane. I was like, do they refuel up there? What do they do? (laughs) Be at peace, because the peace of Christ is in you. And as a new believer, I needed to get over that hump of just thinking, I'm hoping and wishing that things would go good, and just realizing I need to just turn my life over to the Holy Spirit. I said, you know what, Holy Spirit, there's more. Fill me up. Give me more. And I got around people that said, you want more? We'll show you how to get more. And that's what was so great about being in this church as a a new believer, as a non-believer to a new believer, really. And as a new believer, we are to rest in peace. I'll be honest with you. You know, looking at Facebook and all these different things, when someone passes away, everybody says their little blurb and they say, Rest in peace, and I said and I had this sort of a conversation with Arlene today, well how do you know they're resting in peace because there's only two options in life you 're saved, resting in heaven, not saved, tormented in hell. so if you can hope and wish that somebody is resting in peace, but if they're not born again, they 're not. I grew up in the Catholic Church, and this was a, this was a this was kind of what the Catholic Church had taught because they were when people died they were just If we pray hard enough, we'll get this person out of limbo and get him into heaven. There's no limbo. Black and white. There's no gray area when it comes to your salvation. So resting in peace, to me, has nothing to do with a dead person. You can't pray for the dead anymore. It's over. Rest in peace is resting today because you have the person, the Holy Spirit, living on the inside of you. And you can live and rest in peace. You can let that manifest in your life. If I were to raise hands today, we have, in the last couple of weeks, how many people have let other things manifest in their life that are the opposite of peace, joy, love? <laughs> Carrie, any time? No, I'll leave Carrie alone. I think of my own life, you know, how I respond. But I have peace. So I am choosing not to let that run its course in my life. And so if we're going to rest in peace, we're going to do it today. Isaiah 9.6 says, Jesus is wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The enemy Satan, the liar, he's the prince of unrest, he's the prince of lies, he's the prince of darkness, he's the prince of all this other junk that wants to, to mess you up. But you have the Prince of Peace, capital P on the peace, inside you. And that's what the word of God comes to confirm. When you allow yourself to be renewed to the God's word, he's going to show you Peace. Like I said, Pastor Jeff has preached on on that scripture. What an awesome message that was. Rest in peace is a new covenant covenant promise. In John 14, 16, Jesus did say to us, I will send you another comforter. Did he not say that? What is the other comforter? That's the person of the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm gonna send you peace. John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And here's the kicker for all of us. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. John 16, he says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In your job, in your spouse, in your kids, in your college life, in your, in- no. Only one person, one thing, does he say that you will have peace. And it's in me the person of Jesus Christ. Mark 5.34 says, thy faith has made you whole. He said to this people, go in peace. Your faith. Because of your faith in Christ, you have peace. It's living on the inside of you. And notice that our peace is dependent upon the words he has spoken to us in John 16.33. He says, I have said these things to you. When Jesus says something to you, probably should listen, right? He says, I have peace for you. Here's how you get it. First of all, receive me as Lord and Savior and then renew your mind to God's word is what Paul would say later. So we're life. Our peace is not dependent on how you feel or your circumstance and situation, whether your kids are saved or not, whatever, all the things. Your peace is dependent on Father God. God is at peace with you So you can be at peace with yourself and you can let that peace flow out of you. I look at the scriptures sometimes and I'll be honest that many of us Christians aren't utilizing peace in our lives. We panic about a lot of different things. We don't look any different sometimes than the rest of the world. We should look different because we have something different on the inside of us. People are looking for a person. Maybe it's a spouse. If I just get married, everything will be better. Well, let me tell you, when you get married, and I love my wife and it's great, it doesn't automatically get better. And if you don't marry the right person, it's definitely not going to get married better. Some people are just saying, if I get that next job, I'll be at peace. Some people are saying, if I could just get all my kids lined up and saved and back going to church again, then I would have Peace. Perhaps you're looking for a pay raise. Maybe if you're a young kid here and if you, you feel like if I don't make the varsity hockey team or I don't make the band or whatever at, sh- at school, I'm not going to have any peace. I, my, my, my life's going to be a failure. Those aren't true things. Those are fleeting things. I think sometimes many Christians, the only peace they have in their, in their life is like in the old Patsy Cline song. I fall to pieces. You know, That's what I see in a lot of, our, in a lot of believers' lives. And we shouldn't have that. And that's not a knock on anyone out there. That's just the reality of all of us, and me included. Because sometimes you just got to sit back and go, this is dumb. Why am I I worried about this? Why am I fretting about this when, when I know that I have God's peace? And when I turn back to him, he'll show me a way out of this. He'll give me an answer. When you put God first in your finances, you'll have peace in your finances during any situation. If you believe that Jesus healed us at the cross, you will have peace through any sickness or disease. The apostle Paul, uh, or excuse me, says in John 16, uh, 20, peace with you. When he, had, when he said this, he showed them his hands. This is, this is Jesus' disciples when he had come back from the, when he rose again. Then the disciples were glad to see that he was the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them, and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Just like he did to Adam. And the thing is, you need to remember, and I just studied this out this morning, was that this was not, this was the first time that anyone had really been born again. It was a time when Jesus was gonna go to to heaven, and the Holy Spirit began to come into people who received Christ. And we see later in Acts, right, in Acts 2, where Jesus, because Jesus, Jesus does say, don't go anywhere, I'm going to send you another comforter, and he says, now wait for me, and in Acts 2, we see that the Holy Spirit falls on the people, and they get baptized, they get filled with the Holy Spirit, endued from power on high. So when we are born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. When we, when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, we give him the ability just to pour out of us, nonstop, 24-7, as much as you want, as little as you want, it's up to you right? People who belong to the Y or people who belong to the high, Highland Golf Course, they all pay the same amount to go there. If you go there once a year, that's up to you. If you go there every single day, 24 hours a day, you're getting your money's worth, right? Holy Spirit's the same way to me. Get your money's worth. You can use them 24-7 or you can just pick and choose when I want to use them. I tell you, the piece that he wants to download in you is right there. He's already inhaled, He's ready to blow on you again. Look at these ladies up here singing with the worship team. Just breathe on them. That can't be easy. Jason's like, I'm going away, you guys just take over for a week. okay. Family, they all got families, and all this stuff, you know. Which of course Jason does too. Man, if you don't ask the Holy Spirit to come in and, 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 and breathe on your worship set, banging cymbals and gongs. But it's beautiful. Because the Holy Spirit breathes upon him. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit and letting him control our lives lets the peace of Christ manifest in our lives. I love the prophet Joel says in in Joel 2, 28 through 29, he says that he would pour out his spirit on all flesh. Well, who is all flesh? That's all flesh. Whoever wants it. Whoever desires it. Whoever asks for it. he's He's not a picky God. He'll choose anybody. Just look at the people in this church. There's not a perfect one in here. But he's choosing to use the people of his church to change the world. Whether it's in Cedar Falls or whether it's in Sydney, Australia, whether it's in Mason City, wherever it's at, Northwood. He just wants someone to breathe on. Because the prophet Joel, to me, said he would pour it out on all flesh. People would prophesy. They'd have dreams, kids, men, boys, everybody. The whole body, everybody. So when the Holy Spirit and Jesus came... It was for everybody, not just for a select few. It was for the, everybody. It's for you. In the book of Acts, we see many times where the Holy Spirit came upon people after they had a born-again experience. You look through Acts. You can start in Mat- Matthew 3.11. You can start in Luke 3.16. You can read Acts 5.1 and 8. Acts 2.4. Acts 4.31. Acts 8.15 and 16. Acts 10.44. In Acts 19, 1 through 6. What does it say in Acts 19, 1 through 6? When these people, these born again believers that they showed up to talk to, did you receive the Holy Spirit? We have not heard of this Holy Spirit. And Paul goes, Well, let me lay hands on you. And bam, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They pray in other language, other tongues. And they're endued with power on high and they go do things with boldness. That's what he wants to do in your life. Peace should be flowing from us. is anyone remember the old song, Peace is Flowing Like a River? I grew up, I went to Catholic school, and, and when I was little, in third, first through third grade, I lived in Phoenix, and I, I, in third grade, I had this nun who was a teacher. She was really nice. She only picked me up by my hair one or two times, and um, that was back in the old days when you, when you would go home, and you wouldn't say to your mom, well, what did you do at school today? Well, the nun picked me up by my hair, and she wouldn't call the school and complain about the nun. She would pick me up by the hair and say, well, what did you do wrong? Remember the good old days? Mr. Godfrey, when actually kids were disciplined at school? Anyway, I remember singing this song, that peace is flowing like a river, right? Flowing out through you and me, flowing out into the desert. But here's where I got it wrong, because I lived in Phoenix. I would sing it, setting all the cactus free. (laughs) I sang that for the whole year. I'm like, why does the cactus need to be free? We're like, live in Phoenix. Then I realized it was captives. That makes more sense, doesn't it? <laughs> but it's peace is flowing from you and me, the believer. Is it really? Is it always flowing from you and me, the believer? Should it be? Could it be? I feel at that one. I respond to people not peaceful all the time. I mean, I'm a lot better than I used to be. I, 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 I believe in what Joyce Meyer, she spoke that word directly for me. That your, your times, your, your awful times, your bad times, your res, the way you respond to people, it'll get better. And it's like she said, for her it took a little longer than some people. But you know what? When I allow God to, to work in my life, even today, the Holy Spirit will reveal to me something good about somebody and then I can respond. You know, People are hurting and they just want, they want you to speak life into them. During the Bible marathon, we were sitting over there. Uh, there was one night there was Jeff, Pastor Jeff, Cassie, and myself. And I, I was reading out of Acts. And uh, I got to read in Acts uh, where is it here? Five through eight. Peter and the apostles, Stephen. And I sat back and and I got done reading a part of it, and I just looked at Jeff and and Cassie and I went, Oh, that's Stephen. What a what a oh my what a man. Wow. Think about that guy. That's incredible. Here's a man that's filled with the Holy Spirit. And then I was thinking about Peter and the apostles and how they how they went through life. And look at Peter beforehand, before he was born again and and filled with the Holy Spirit, and then how he responded and, and lived life after. And I looked at Acts five twenty nine through thirty two, and it says this, and it really just struck a chord with me. But Peter and the apostles replied. And he's talking to the Sanhedrin. He's talking to these people that have got him up on these charges. He says, "God, we would rather obey God rather than human authority. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on a cross. Then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as prince and savior. He did this so the people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven. We are witnesses of these things. So is the Holy Spirit who is given by God to obey these who obey him. There's Peter. I believed in God at one time. I did. I was a Jewish boy. I knew all about God. But then Jesus comes along and I believe that he's the Christ, that he's the Savior. And then he says, and then he tells me, don't go anywhere. I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes upon me. And now I believe in the Holy Spirit, just like Jeff talked about for for those three Sundays. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You got to believe in them all. You got to receive them all, and you got to let the Holy Spirit come into your life and work in you. And so when I think about Peter and Stephen, those are two spirit filled guys, are they not? We're going to talk a little bit about them here today. It summed up a, a, a newfound peace in the midst of persecution and rejection in their lives. And Peter's revelation is how he was now. This is how he saw God, Jesus. Holy Spirit he had all those things working in his life before he was just a fisherman who believed in God as a Jewish person that's pretty good but then he was actually hanging out with Jesus for three and a half years and you can see he failed multiple times you think to yourself right now if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit and Jesus is your best friend for three and a half years you're thinking nothing could go wrong I would never deny him if I could just live back when Jesus lived everything would have been fine wrong you'd have denied him too just like me People are pitchforks and lanterns are coming after you. He knew Jesus. No, I didn't. And you run and hide. And he goes back to the fishing boat, goes back to his old comfortable thing. How many people do that when they, when they, when they deny Jesus some of their life? What do they do? They go back to the booze. They go back to the drugs. They go back to their old life, whatever they do. Because, you know, I, I'm afraid of what God has for me, and, I, and I'm just going to go back and do this. But Peter had this revelation of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it totally changes life. And for, for the three weeks that Pastor Jeff preached about that, I'm just sitting up here like, I've been going to this church for 13 years and I'm like thinking, this is the best sermon Jeff's ever preached. And I, every time I, after Jeff preaches, I go up to him and go, that was awesome. And I spent all day with the guy too. And it's like, that blew me away. And that's what Father God when you have Christ on the inside, you all know, the Holy Spirit to work in your life, he'll do that. Every sermon you hear that's lined up with God's word is going to blow you away. That's what he wants to do in your life. He wants to breathe on you. So the revelation that Peter had, it was just amazing. The man who once fled the scene after denying that he even knew Jesus was now living by the faith of Christ. Read that in Galatians 2.20 when Paul says that he's now living by the faith of Christ. Not just faith in Christ, like, like Jeff said. People believe that there's a Jesus. They talked about him all the time. But when you're born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, you now have the faith of Christ working on the inside of you. Is that not amazing? Romans eight eleven, 11. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives on the inside of you. You're power-packed. You're full. You can take on anything. It's amazing. Our faith will release our peace that we possess. It's your faith in that scripture. It's your belief in your heart that Christ raised him from the dead. I believe in all those things. And when we believe those things, we renew our mind to God's word. He's going to release so much in your life, faith, to do anything. And Isaiah 26.3 says um, that he will keep our thought, those who keep your thought in perfect peace. I don't have it in front of me, Cassie. Do you have Isaiah 26.3? Oh, thank you. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. That's me. I trust him. Is that you? You trust him. Your mind's going to be, and you keep your mind on him you will keep in perfect peace. I'm guessing the Apostle Paul, when he wrote about renewing our minds to the word of God, had this scripture in mind. That's what he's talking about. You will keep in perfect peace. Isn't that a great thing? It's just not a little bit of peace. It's perfect peace. In Acts 5, we read about Paul, who's doing, or Peter's doing many signs and wonders, it says it's manifest. In Acts 5.12, it says because uh, they did signs and wonders. And then Acts 5.14 It says that many people came to know them. See, a lot of times as Christians, we don't want maybe sometimes the signs and wonders so much because we might just scare off the new believer. You know, we're a little frightened about that. And it says right here that they did signs and wonders, and then many people were added to it. It's for the unbeliever. We can pray for all of us in the church, the believers, and every Sunday, and that'd be awesome, but there's a lot of people out there that we can go be praying for and watch them get healed. I should be set free. This is what Peter did. But you're not going to be able to do that if we're not filled with the Holy Spirit and and allowing him to work in our life. When we're not filled with the Holy Spirit or or we ignore him, we try to figure things out on our own and it doesn't go very good. Remember Jesus, a night he was betrayed, just before that Peter said, what are you talking about? I'll, I'll go with you anywhere. I will follow you anywhere. And in not too long he denies him. Here's a guy who had been walking with Christ for three and a half years and saw all the mighty things, but he wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit yet. He didn't have the power to resist those things. And when the going gets tough for a spirit-filled believer, the Holy Spirit gets going, and he goes before you. A lot of times we think when the going gets tough, then we need to get going. We just need to work harder. I have a great lesson that when I coach hockey with the Bulls the last couple years, we don't talk about working harder ever. We talk about working smarter. You can work and work and work all you want at trying to be better, but if you get a little bit smarter and just say, you know what, I'm going to turn all this over to the Holy Spirit and let him work in your life, things will flow smoothly. How many people here have just busted their hump their whole life trying to just do better until finally, like, you know, I'm just going to give it up to God. He said he'd take care of me. I'm just going to try him on for size one of these days. And he does amazing things. The comforter comforts. It's true we receive the Holy Spirit at salvation, but the book of Acts tells us there is a second in filling that we need. And after we receive that baptism, he keeps filling himself. He keeps top, topping off the tank. I think Pastor Jim has talked about this enough time. It's about being, being filled. This is what that scripture in Ephesians 1.18 says. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that scripture actually means be, being filled. It's continuous. He's saying to these people, you think you get a good buzz? and have a lot of fun when you go out drinking and all that stuff, try getting filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying. I'm not here to bag on you if you drink. I don't. But if it's more alluring to you than being filled with the Holy Spirit, I don't get that anymore. I've been on both sides of the fence. There's nothing better than being in the presence of the Lord with the Holy Spirit. Allow him to work in your life. A simple believer sometimes is, is content just to punch his or her ticket to heaven. And a disciple like, like, like Peter is out to get as many people to go with him as possible, as willing as showing off what God is doing in his life today. They continue to ask the Holy Spirit to, to do works in their life. Do you get what I'm saying there? You can say, I believe in Jesus, and you can punch your ticket to heaven. Awesome. I'm glad you're spending an eternity there. But when you get filled with the Holy Spirit and allow him to work in your life, I, feel like, I believe that's the point when you become a disciple of Christ, and then you start trying to get as many people to be disciples and you start pulling people into church and into the kingdom and more and more people get saved. Now if you had the cure for cancer right now, would you just sit on it and go, this is really awesome. I'm just going to keep this in my little pocket because you know what, Whenever, if I ever get afflicted with that, I'll be able to heal myself. I think you would share it with people, wouldn't you? Well, the ultimate physician is Jesus Christ. Get out and share them. Pull them out of your pocket and let everybody see them. Let everybody have a chance. And that's what a disciple is. But you can't disciple out of your head. You've got to disciple out of your spirit. And think about it. The apostles got arrested two times and they were beaten. And in, in, in the book of Acts in, in 542 it says, after this, that every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Think about that. Arrested. They were In, in Acts 5 they were arrested and they were put in jail and there was a guard there. You're going to have to go home and read Acts 5 through 8 yourself because I can't get through it all. So what happens is, in the middle of the night, an angel comes and says, get up and go preach the word of life at the temple. Who is Jesus? So apparently they get up and they leave the prison and they're in the temple. Soon as the, soon as the, as, uh, as, as the sun rose, they were back in the temple. So the guards and all these people and the, and the high priest go looking for him in the, in the prison and the guards still standing there. They're like, uh, we'd like Peter and his buddies. Uh, I guess we are not here anymore. That's what happened. It's like this angel of the Lord just took them all the way through the prison without anybody seeing him and drops him in the temple. And they preach the word. So what happens? They go down to the temple and they pick these guys up this time. They don't arrest them like they did with force the time before. They're just like, hey, would you just come with us now please? We need to talk to you. And so what happens is, they say, we want to, Peter says, you know, you basically killed Jesus and they're going to kill him. They're going to stone him. Like, ah, we're going to get you. And this guy named Gamaliel says, no, we've seen these people come before. If this isn't from God, it's just going to die out. Let's just be careful here. So they said, well, you're right. You guys go and don't talk about Jesus anymore and we're going to whip you and beat you for a little bit. I'm just reading Acts 5 to you and then the Mark version. Is that not what it says? And uh, so they're like, okay. So they get a beating, and they walk out of the jail, and what do they do? Do they hide? They run? It says, and every day in the temple, and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. These are guys filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't stop me because I'm on a mission from God, is what they're saying. <laughs> they got God pouring out of them. And what happened to them? They ended up, some of them, like Jeff said, I think John was the only one that wasn't murdered. And so they keep going. So Peter's life is a testimony that still me, encourages me. He was once a, a man full of fear who denied Christ and he fled. Ever been there? But Jesus restored him fully. And sent the Holy Spirit to, uncom- to comfort and empower him. And he went on and changed the world. That's Peter. How about Stephen? Stephen was a man who loved the Lord. I want to thank my wife Cassie for helping me with this one because she read through this with me and studied this. And she gave me some great wisdom and notes. And so we we went through Stephen together. Stephen was a man, so I'm going to read this, who loved the Lord. He was such a great leader. He shows us how to walk, work, and live, and even die full of love for people And God's word. We first learned about him in Acts 6. And we see him become the first martyr of the church later on. Dying for his faith. All with trust and belief in Jesus Christ. He's a spirit filled man. How do I know that? Because his only job qualification when they asked him to come work for him was. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? And do you have a good reputation? Yes. You're hired. You know what his job was? Anyone know what Stephen's first job was? He was a waiter. Think about that. Here's a guy who says, I'm going to dedicate my life to Christ, and they tell him, we got something better for you. You're going to wait tables. And he says two things, right? Well, I didn't sign up for that. I'm going to go to another church so I can get on the worship team or I can be on this mission. No, he didn't say that. He says, okay, I'll serve where I'm needed. And so what happened was, if you read, is that there's these Hellenistic Jews and the Hellenistic Jews were the people that had been persecuted in other countries. They were Greeks. And they had moved into Israel. And now they were hanging out with the Hebrew Jews. And they were being shortchanged at the food line, these widows. So they go to the, they go to the apostles, Peter and, the, and those guys, and they say, we need your help. You need to take care of this. This is a big problem. And, and Peter and these guys say, we're too busy. We cannot give up preaching the word and praying for people. That's what we're called to do we need to hire some people to do this job for me. And so what do they do is they call these guys together and they pick seven, they said, and they laid hands on them and they sent them forth, okay, to go wait tables, just to make sure that the widows got enough to eat. What a great ministry, right? So you're thinking, I'm thinking about Stephen and I'm thinking, man, that's pretty cool. And then I read further on, it talks about Stephen's just doing the same things the apostles are doing, healing people, doing signs and wonders. See, that's the thing is about a spirit-filled believer. You have a ministry wherever you're at, wherever you work at, wherever you teach at, wherever you go to school at. You have a ministry, the same one that Stephen had, that you've been anointed to go do signs and wonders wherever you are at. Stephen didn't take this as a demotion. He says, you know what? This is where my leaders need me. This is where God has put me, and I'm going to do a great and mighty work. And he does that. And can you imagine if all the Christians operated and worked with God's strength inside us, like Stephen? What might happen in the marketplace? What might even happen in the church? The Holy Spirit prepares you for everything. One moment Stephen was waiting tables. The next he is preaching to the high priest. He was being, being filled with the Holy Spirit and ready to testify at any time. Think about that. That is the peace of Christ that dwells in you. There's no panic, and he just goes out and preaches Jesus. He was given an opportunity. He was given a ministry. But sometimes people think when they go on a mission trip, or they have this mission, that they go do a bunch of stuff, but maybe they forget to do the ministry part of it. I'm not saying that about anyone. Anyway. Just, I just had the thought creep up. But what happened was that what Stephen was given a mission to do, and he turned it into a huge ministry. So what happens to Stephen? He gets arrested. He gets brought in front of the Sanhedrin and the high priest. And what does the high priest say to him after all these people were telling lies about Stephen? Are these lies true? Think about that. Like a red-green moment there. (laughs) Are these lies true? That's basically how I read what he said to him. Well, what does Stephen say? Well, no, or yeah, I'll stop. I'll just go back to waiting tables. I didn't mean to ruffle any feathers. You go, you go back and read Acts 7. The high priest asked him if all these lies are, are true, but Stephen, a man full of spirit and wisdom, doesn't defend himself. He preaches the word. Reading Stephen's message in Acts chapter 7 sums up the past years from Abraham all the way back to Christ's death, all the way up to Christ's death, excuse me, and resurrection. And he gets very bold in, in Acts 7:51. kind of reminds me of Jesus and, and Peter, and he calls them stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in their hearts and ears. You always have resisted the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Okay? Whoa. And then in verse 54, after they freak out, and they, start, they, they drag him out of town, and they start stoning him. Man full of the Spirit here. And he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. What's amazing to me, what stood out to me is that Jesus is usually sitting at the right hand of the Father. But here's your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He gets off his seat and he stands up and he's standing there receiving his son. Well done, good and faithful servant. It's amazing. And he sees the glory and they stone him. They kill him. And I'm thinking to myself, whoa. It's amazing. And even when Stephen... Is being stoned, he had his eyes on Christ. And there's this young or old person, I'm not sure how old Paul is at the time, Saul, who's standing there and all these religious leaders that Paul's a part of, they hand in their coats. Must have been too bulky with their coats on to throw rocks really well, right? So they take their coats off or whatever it is, their tops, and they hand them to Saul and he's standing there like, yes, get them, we need to stop these guys. That was Saul. And we see later in life, not too long, that he has this road to, to Damascus experience and he's converted to Christianity and he starts preaching. And then we, we see through Philip and he's preaching too. Philip was another guy that was one of the seven that was told to, we need you to wait some tables. Philip was preaching in, in, in Acts to a, to a guy and, and, and preaches Jesus to him and then woo, he's transfigured or formed and he's in another place. Just an old waiter, not much to do, but he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And Stephen, a man full of the Holy Spirit, leaned on the Holy Spirit, served the apostles and the widows, and also preached the truth with boldness. People were blessed through him by his words and his actions. I love that. The last thing I want to talk about is the high priest. When you read through the story in in Acts 5, and I'll get through this really quick, in Acts 5 and then in Acts 7, they're up in front of the high priest. And I'm going to just give you a history of the high priest. The high priest was the guy on the day of atonement for the Jewish people, Yom Kippur, that you got to go to and he would atone for your sins. Once a year. The seventh day of the tenth month. So think about this. If, to, if yesterday was the day of atonement and you messed up yesterday, you'd be like, I got 350 more days of this. Pretty bad when you think about it, Right? So on the day of atonement, the, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, and he would go behind the veil, and he would get into the presence of God. And he would atone for your sins once for the year. I, temporarily, because he had to do it once a year, right? So when the, to me, when the high priest is really getting on these guys, it's because of one really one thing that sticks out to me. If this is true of what Jesus preached, if this is true what Peter preached, if this is true what Stephen says... He's out of a job. He's unemployed. So that's why it says with jealousy that they, they fought these guys. Because what Jesus did when he came and died and rose again was that he did it all. So instead of having to go to a man and allow him to intercede on our behalf, when we receive Jesus in our heart, we go right to the Father. So today is the day of atonement for the believer. Today is the year of jubilee. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of healing. That's what Peter and Jesus and all the apostles and Stephen are preaching. There's no more going to this gentleman. You don't have to. You can go every single day to your father because Jesus has come and he's died and he's rose again for your sins, past, present, and future. That's what he's saying. So when they're really speaking to these high priests, they're basically saying, why do we we even need to obey you? You have no authority anymore. It's all because of him. And that's just like the law. The high priest and the law, the same thing. Jesus came to fulfill them. He made them obsolete for the born again believer. And he says, You just need to have a relationship with me through Jesus Christ, myself. And when you do that, today's the day of atonement. Today's the day of Jubilee. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day of healing. All those things lumped into one because the one person, Jesus Christ. And he says, I give you the opportunity to have all that on the inside of you. He says, Inside that Holy of Holies, behind the veil where the God, presence of God dwelt, it's now on the inside of you. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean to me? I'm like the Holy of Holies in here. So when Jesus died, what happened? That veil was torn in two. What's that mean? That there was nothing separating you from the presence of God. You're in it. If you're a born again believer, You're just not in the presence of God. The presence of God is on the inside of you. Whoa. And that's what Stephen preached. That's what Peter said to these guys. That's what Jesus was all talking about. So these guys, I'll sum this up really quickly. Walking with Jesus, not filled with the Holy Spirit. In John 20, we see that Jesus breathes on them, and they're born again. We see in Acts 2 that the Holy Spirit comes upon these guys. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They preach the word with boldness. 3,000 people are saved. If you read through Acts, it doesn't tell you how many people are saved anymore. It just says multitudes. They couldn't even count anymore. So he goes forth and these guys are martyred for that. But they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They've been set free. And so my challenge for us today as I I finish up here is is to not just think that I'm just a believer. That I just believe in Jesus. That's, That's a good thing. You need to Ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life and invade your life. And I tell you, for everyone here, everyone in the world, he's just sitting here with his breath. And when you ask, whew, he's going to blow. And when he blows, it's going to be amazing. Amen? If you'd like to take communion today, here at Praise Community Church, we take by what we call intinction. Take, take the cracker, dip it in the juice. The only requirement that we ask of you is that you're a born-again believer. What a better way to come celebrate what Jesus has done for your life by just saying, thank you, Father God, that you died for me, you shed your, your blood for me, you rose again for me. And I would challenge you over the next week, 10 days, a month, that every decision you make, you say, Father God, Holy Spirit, is this what you want me to do? Because he will add things to you and he'll remove things for you. He'll, he'll, he'll just get rid of the clutter. Cassie and I were just going through our, our bills today and, and just going through our budget. And it's like, I think everybody, when they go through their budgets like me, I just like, seriously, I, gotta go pre- I don't want to talk about this. Can we talk about this like in seven years? But then I realized, well, I'm going to be preaching on peace today. Father, God, just show me what I need to do in this situation. It's not that we're at anything bad. It's just that it's a situation that I have to deal with. But what's the Holy Spirit saying to me in this situation? Do I need to give more? Where do I need to give to to allow me to, to do what you want to do? So I'll invite the worship team up and I'll close this in prayer. Father, God, we just thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives. Father, we thank you that you sent not only your son to die for us, that we can be forgiven of all our sins, that we can be healed. But Father God, we're thankful that you only sent the Holy Spirit to indwell to in us. And Father God, we thank you that today is the day of atonement. Today is the year of jubilee, that we are set free, that today is the day of salvation, today is the day of, day of prosperity, today is the day of healing. And we thank you, Father, that our minds are fixed on you, and as we renew them to your word, Father God, you will speak more and more to our heart, and we just love you in Jesus' name, amen.